Hi there, you're listening to the Steve Schramm Show, where we train Christians to become confident, passionate servants of Jesus so they can grow in their walk with God and share their faith more persuasively. Welcome to the show. I want to revisit a topic that I've written about recently in my book, Truth Be Told. By the way, this episode is sponsored by my book, Truth Be Told, and you can download two free chapters if you'd like right now by going to steveschram.com slash why apologetics steveschram.com slash why apologetics and there you can get two free chapters of the book which will kind of give you an idea of uh, how the rest of the book kind of flows and how the rest of the book uh, will uh, be written to to make the case for uh, believing in christianity in the age that we do what I want to talk about today is the powerful importance of question asking. And one reason this is fresh on my mind, um, it actually came up last night. We're uh, doing a Wednesday night series at church on uh, tough questions, on, on answering people's theological and even practical questions when it comes to the Bible. And of course, um, you know, questions are a are a big deal. I, I was talking to somebody after the service who, unfortunately, you know, growing up, she was told, you know, don't ask questions, just trust the Lord. Don't ask questions, just have, just have faith. And there's so much that can be said there, right? The, the whole idea of, uh, the wrong definition of faith. Like, you know, there's this idea amongst uh, many Christians, and it's a very false idea, that the word faith in the Bible is a way of knowing something, okay? The, the false idea is that faith is a way of knowing something, and this is knowledge that we that we gain through faith, right, when our when our knowledge of things that we gain through our rational apprehension of them, through our, our logic and our rational faculties, uh, ends. And this is a bad definition. This is not smart. This is not, uh, it's not biblical. This is not how the word faith ever was used in the Bible. Okay, when we look at the word uh, faith, it's the Greek word pistis, pistis, and it simply means trust. Uh, it's best translated as trust. So I think that kind of a nice way of saying that is that we actively trust in what we have good reason to believe is true. This is biblical faith. Now, that's not to say that there aren't times when faith won't seem irrational, right? When faith won't won't seem like, um, like for example, I look at some of the stories in the Old Testament and I look at something like maybe Abraham and I look at the faith that it must have taken for Abraham to traipse up Mount Moriah with his um, son Isaac and and do what the Lord asked. I mean, that uh, to me, that to me is tremendous, tremendous faith. But it also seemed kind of irrational, right? I mean, look, it's certainly not the logical thing to do to take your son up a hill so that you can slay him at the command of God. 
But you know what's interesting about that is the reason why he did it is because, don't miss this, it's because Abraham knew God. The Bible says that Abraham was a friend of God. Right? There was a relationship there. So it may seem irrational, especially to the world, what you are looking at doing or what you, you know, where you're placing your trust, etc. But that doesn't mean that it's not based on what we have good reason to believe is true. The definition of faith still holds. Abraham had good reason to believe God, and he did. And the Bible says it was counted to him for righteousness. Okay? So we need not fall into this trap of thinking that faith is blind. So that's one problem. That's one uh, kind of element to to the discussion that comes up actually quite a bit. Uh, as I talk as I talk to people, you'd be surprised just how often this idea comes up. Uh, but then there is the the more practical concern even of just the idea of asking questions themselves. Why why is there a stigma around this? Why are we not allowed to ask good? good questions. And as I was uh, thinking about this, I think the irony is that the things that people who don't have a good grasp on their faith, the reason why they're afraid of questions are actually uh, probably, I think, the very same reasons why I think as a Christian who does believe that we have good reasons to believe in what we do, they're the same reason why I think it's good for us to learn how to ask other people questions. And the reason is because most people have not thought through the things that they believe. They're just repeating what they hear other people say. And they've not thought through these things. And so we can ask questions as a way of inciting careful thinking on their part sometimes to make a point for our view. So I'm going to talk a little bit about three things that questions do that are an ally for us in this regard, but that consequently they might be the very things that are maybe, maybe we don't have a grasp on that in our own faith, in our own walk with God. And that is part of the reason why we're so afraid of asking questions. So let's dive in to those now. So the very first thing is that questions reveal they reveal. Uh, they reveal a lot of things about you, about what you believe, about uh, the the way that you will end up arguing for things. What they really end up uh, rev- being able to reveal a lot of times is your presuppositions. Those things that you bring to the table, whether knowingly or unknowingly, many times, um, many times unknowingly, and these are things that really have the potential to affect a lot of what you believe. They are the kind of the foundational things that underlie why you believe what you believe. And so the the real danger there is not knowing how those most basic and most foundational assumptions uh, work to influence the rest of your views. Um, You know, one practical example of this is uh, something like the cultural issues that we have right now, abortion, 
LGBT, LGBTQ, things of that nature, homosexuality, that, that, all of that, okay? Those kind of hot-button issues. A lot of people dive onto the uh, internet battlefield, guns blazing, and they spend all of this time dealing with those issues proper. Now, are those issues important? Well, yes, of course they are. And certainly, we need to share our opinions in the public square, uh, whether or not they are generally considered welcome. Uh, I am not interested in bowing down to what other people think that um, we should be able to, to say. Uh, I, I very much am an advocate for for free speech and for putting our opinion out there on those matters. But a lot of times, the actual discussion that you're having with the person on the other end of the internet, um, on the other side of the world, uh, in some cases, it, it needs to be filtered through the idea of worldviews. And you need to understand what presuppositions you have that go into that uh, deeper and inform that position. And a lot of times, this is one of the best ways to circumvent uh, being called a bigot or something like that, okay? If they think that you are just opinionated in, in this fashion because they don't understand the Christian story, then that makes all of the difference in the world. It makes all the difference in the world. The Christian story is foundational to our understanding of what it even means to be human. Uh, if you are a naturalist, even if you are a humanist, you have a completely different foundation, a completely different set of presuppositions for why you believe what you do about the position of humanity and about the value of humanity. So it's no surprise to me at all when I get into these discussions with people why they believe the way they do. And this even includes, now listen, because this was a hard one for me, okay? I have had a lot of discussions with people who um, claim to be Christians at one point in time. They've written books. They were pastors of churches, etc. They know, they know um to put it a bit facetiously, the Bible stories, okay? They know the Sunday school Bible stories. They, they get it. They, 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 they understand that. But the Bible says that unless you have been spiritually regenerated, unless you know God, then the things that which are spiritually discerned are just not going to be understandable to you. So it doesn't matter to me how long you've been a Christian. It doesn't matter to me or, or um, how long you've claimed the name uh, Christian. It doesn't matter to me if you've been a pastor. It doesn't matter to me if you've written books, etc. If you are not a Christian, you, you by definition, you don't understand fully the Christian story. You don't grasp the gravity of what it is that makes our worldview different than yours. Uh, to, to put it, you know, one way, if you're an atheist now, you have always been an atheist, okay? If you're an atheist now, you have always been an atheist. It's not as though you were a Christian and then you are now an atheist, at least not on my understanding of what the Bible teaches. So there's lots of background and, not, and lots of uh, nuance there that an unbeliever just does not understand. They don't understand what it 
means to be made in the image of God. They don't understand the idea of uh, creation as God's, um, you know, we're God's vice regent, so to speak, on this earth, and we share in the image of God, and we share in um, actually taking care of this creation and and ruling over this creation in some aspect as um, as as co-laborers, so to speak, with God. These are all things that that matter. When God created this world, he set a specific order in place. I do not believe that he used evolutionary um, deep time and evolutionary processes and methods in order to create humanity. I believe that we are a special creation. And with that special creation comes not only uh, a, a state of, of being, an ontological status, but also a deontological status in a sense, a, 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 a um, something to do, okay, something that has to do with duty. Okay, there's a duty associated with being human, and part of that duty is to carry out the, t- the roles and the tasks that God has placed for us. Uh, there is no higher task than to be obedient to God. That is the ultimate uh, uh, task that we could do, to do the Lord's will, be in obedience to Him. And um, sexuality is a very, very big part of being made in the image of God, I believe. I believe that uh, the Bible speaks to um, issues of homosexuality and things with a greater severity and sexual sins of all kinds with greater sexuality or excuse me with greater severity because of how important they are because of how um, how egregiously they mar God's original intent for this creation and that's why it is such a big deal so uh, questions will help to reveal some of that questions can help to um, help people understand what it is they believe about the world that informs these other things that they they have questions if i can borrow a phrase from greg kokel which by the way you should check out his latest book tactics it's the revised and expanded edition 10 year anniversary edition it's uh, absolutely great tactics please check that out you got to get it it's a great book on um on personal evangelism but uh it, it's it's kind of like taking the roof off like he says okay and of course asking the questions is a is a big part of of Kokel's uh, plan for helping you discuss your christian convictions with others so questions they first of all reveal well the second thing that questions really do well is they reduce okay they reduce and i'm actually trading on this idea of the reduction to absurdity. This is what I mean by questions reduce. They help to reduce um, contradictory uh, and illogical and incoherent views to utter absurdity. Um, Jesus used this kind of tactic all the time in uh, the in the Bible. We we see examples of this, and honestly, it is just something that is probably one of the greatest tools and one of the greatest assets that the Christian has available to him. And the reason is is simple, really. Um, if, if you are not a Christian, and Christian. Um, the Christian story, the Christian way of, of thinking about the world is true, then th- then you're living in denial of reality. Okay? You're living in denial of reality. 
And what's really interesting about uh, the the denial of of reality is you end up believing things that are kind of contradictory with the values and things that you that you state. One example that I like to use of this is the resurrection example. And again, this is just pointing out inconsistencies, things that kind of reduce to utter absurdity on on other views. So, you know, somebody might say something to the effect of, well, the resurrection, right? Resurrections just don't happen. You know, th- this is this is absolute uh, craziness. We can't think that uh, some Jewish man 2,000 years ago rose from the dead and now w- w- we are all saved. That would be a miracle. We have no evidence that miracles happen, etc., etc., etc. So to kind of expose the inconsistency in their thinking, I would just simply ask them what they think about how the world got started. We live in a universe that all of the scientific and philosophical evidence, and of course the biblical evidence most importantly, points to having been created out of nothing. And as the old saying uh, goes, out of nothing, nothing comes. There must have been a creator. There must have been a creator. And, and yet, the very person who thinks that it's impossible, even given a theistic worldview, apparently, for for God to raise Jesus from the dead, who, who thinks this is impossible, somehow believes that all life rose from the utter abyss of nothingness 13.8 billion years ago, or at least that's when the initial creation or the initial Big Bang event was. And then, you know, a few billion years ago, life started to spontaneously uh, arise and form and begin the process of evolution here on Earth. Uh, This is just utter insanity. Uh, it's utter insanity that you would deny one and hold the other confidently. It's nuts. It's nuts. And so this is one of those ways that we can help reduce things that are bad ideas to absurdity so that we can move the conversation forward, right? We want to keep the main thing the main thing. We don't want to get bogged down with where um, people want to distract us with uh, things that are inconsequential to what we're trying to to do. We're trying to make some headway for the gospel. And I'm not saying we have to launch into a gospel presentation every single time that we talk to somebody. That's not what I mean. But we do want to keep the main thing the main thing. Let's not get... Um, caught up discussing all of these in-house issues with unbelievers. They don't believe like we do. They don't share our worldview. They don't share our presuppositions. Um, There are things that I'm just not going to spend all day arguing with an unbeliever on because to do so would be unfruitful, unproductive, and, and Frankly, I think it would be an unwise use of my time. It would be unwise stewardship of the short amount of time that God has given me to make a meaningful impact where I can. So I think that that would be probably my most important uh, reason for wanting to move the discussion forward. And I think that by using questions to reduce inconsistencies to their absurdity so that we we can show the other side why 
we are inconsistent by stepping into their worldview and performing an internal critique. We can show them why they are inconsistent. We invite them to now come over into our worldview and look at things from our perspective and say, now look at now, now these are things that we can make sense of on our view that on your view, you have to um, ultimately deny. Okay. So questions not only reveal, but they also reduce. And then the final thing that that questions get us is refutation right so questions also refute now this is a really really neat um neat kind of thing again let me kind of reiterate what i began talking about in the beginning a lot of times people and this can include christians so watch your back you know be careful make sure this isn't you a lot of times people don't know what it is they really believe Okay, they know how to repeat things that other people have have said, but they've not thought carefully. They've not thought deeply about it for themselves. And so what I mean what ends up happening is they confidently want to argue with you and declare and uh, and, and and try to trip you up and make you think that uh, your your Christian convictions are just in a heap of trouble when the reality is that if they would just if they were simply pressed to argue for their view they couldn't do it so they what they have done is they have placed all of the burden of proof on you. And I'll, I'll just plug Greg's book again, uh, Tactics, because it, it covers this particular idea so very nicely as well. Okay. Um, but, but what they're doing is they are putting the burden of proof on you to defend a position, to defend a view, when you have, in many cases, not even made a claim. The person who makes the claim has to defend it. They have the burden of proof. Okay. If you have not made a claim in the discussion or a, a given claim, any particular claim in the discussion, then you do not owe a defense. You haven't claimed it. It's very simple. But if they claim something similarly, uh, they ought to be held to that. Okay, so if they want to claim that there is an issue, for example, they, they might say something like, how could a loving God allow evil and suffering in the world? Well, baked into their question is the, pre is the presupposition that there's a problem there. Right. So what you're going to do is, is, is launch into your discussion. Right. And there are already like six ways to answer this kind of question, depending on what the problem is. Um, right. So here you go. You, and you're just going one by one. Bang, bang, bang down your down your list of problems. And at the end of the day, because they haven't thought deeply about it, they don't even know what kind of answer would satisfy them. You've wasted all your time and breath when you could have stopped the conversation right there and said, can you just tell me what the problem is? Um, what can, I mean, can you demonstrate for me exactly what you think the problem is between um, the existence of an all good, all powerful God and evil? I'd like to know what you think about that. And just listen. Um, be quiet. Shut up. <laughs> and listen and see what they have to say. So a lot of times questions can refute just simply by the fact that, that it's going to shut their mouth because they don't they don't know. They don't have an answer. And if they're in that case, if that's what ends up happening, it's a perfect time just to go to the cross. Like, look, I understand um, 
there's lots of evil. Just hit the emotional stuff because a lot of times the questions that are being asked are are emotional, uh, and they're rooted in emotional issues. You know, you know, take somebody's silence and just step in for a minute and say, "Look, I, I realize at least that um, that this could be a, a really tough issue. It can be, um, you know, emotionally." heartbreaking etc but look but let me tell you about what jesus did on the cross and just take the opportunity to share the gospel to share uh, biblical truth with them it's not just all about what is logical and what is rational all the time and, and who's got the best argument of course we want to be all of those things and we want to have good arguments of course i'm not i'm not saying that we don't but uh, let's let's uh, be bold and actually share the gospel uh, every now and then when the opportunity uh, arises in, in the context of those kinds of conversations. Um, the other way that questions can refute is that you can actually word a question in such a way as to make your make your point. Okay, to to help make your point for you and in a certain sense this is the um the kind of thing that you you could you could do um to use my illustration from earlier so i talked about jesus rising from the dead and the inconsistency of somebody saying that uh all life arose from utter um material and the material came out of utter nothingness which just seems absolutely absurd to me so you could just simply say well well look have you ever considered the fact that um if the universe was created out of nothing or the universe did come into existence out of nothing have you ever considered that out of nothing nothing comes how how do you how do you make sense of that how do you make sense of the fact that there is now something when before there was nothing and then once again you just be quiet let them answer let them think about it because what you are doing ultimately is you are offering them a worldview in which they can begin to make sense of these things that they they believe but they don't know how they don't know why you're offering a solution to a problem that they have in the form of a question that gets them thinking so now you're not necessarily having to defend your claims but you are getting them thinking towards the point that you want to make that's just that's just one example so um so what have we learned uh, here? Well, well, questions, um, they are able to reveal. They reveal what people think about the world. They get down to the foundational assumptions so that you can actually begin to uncover what people's issues are and um, help them to understand that we offer a worldview that is coherent, that is consistent with reality, and that can actually provide justification for a lot of even the values and things that, that they hold dear, that their worldview does not welcome. These things are not welcome in their worldview, and yet on ours, they have free reign of them, so we invite them to consider our worldview. The second thing is they reduce, right? They will actually take the roof off of uh, problems. They will actually... Um, um, show that the emperor has no clothes. They are um, able to 
refute um, things as well. They are able to help people realize that the positions that they hold may be contradictory, that the positions that they hold uh, may be without justification at all, and that they need to begin to consider a, a view that would allow them to think in the way that they they really want to in their heart of hearts they want to believe that humans have value they want to believe that there's purpose to life they want to believe that there's you know um a reason for believing that we are all here and we can offer them these things on the christian worldview that they don't have available to them in their worldview now i do want to to say one more quick thing um, a lot of our discussion today has been in the context of a Christian talking with maybe an unbeliever. But these kinds of things are useful maneuvers, question asking, when you're dealing with people who just simply disagree with you but are are, are within your worldview. They're within the Christian worldview and they share uh, similar uh, ideas uh, to you, a lot of the questions might need to be asked or rephrased a little differently, right? You 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 maneuver the conversation a little bit differently, but the principle still stands. You can use questions to uh, reveal inconsistencies in what uh, people people believe. Um, I think, for example, that there are inconsistencies uh, in believing that um, you can be gay and Christian, as some people do. And again, that's not my term. That is the term of the people who argue for this view, um, Matthew Vines and the like. Okay, So I, I think there are contradictory things there that you can reveal. Uh, you can reduce. You can certainly reduce views that believers uh, have to absurdity because they are absolutely absurd views. You can run a reductio ad absurdum, as it's called, um, kind of argument uh, against um, a Christian who believes something that may be uh, potentially contradictory, okay? And they also refute. Um, they, they do get people thinking and thinking about their false ideas that they have about God and they have about the Bible and they have about the um, Christian worldview. One example I could think of is the example of, of racism. Um, people who want to argue for critical race theory and things like that. Um, appropriate question asking can really go a long way, I think, with those kind of people because what it will ultimately reveal is that they're not basing what they think on the Bible because you cannot justify a a, um, a critical race uh, position from the biblical uh, account. The main reason is just because there are no different races. We are made from one blood from every man. These are, um, that's almost a direct biblical statement. So um, we can use these ideas in just carefully maneuvering all kinds of conversations with different people that we encounter and I think that this is the uh, most effective way to really witness and to really share your faith and to really share your convictions with others about what you believe because it doesn't put you in the hot seat right you don't you don't have to do all of the talking you don't have to justify every little thing you're just asking questions you're gathering information you are carefully maneuvering a conversation and you are in control of the conversation this is really the most beautiful part of it is people aren't driving you people aren't telling you what you need to be saying and, and the things that you need to be justifying rather you're calling on them to justify 
their own assertions. And that makes all the difference in the world. It should help you to boldly and confidently go out there and have important discussions that can that can be very spiritually significant uh, with all kinds of people and we can really start making an impact for Christ. So I do have a couple books out that could help you do that. Uh, we just released one, a little ebook for it's like 85 pages and uh, 3.99. Uh, God, the Great Commission, and you. You can grab that. Uh, and of course, as I said earlier, you can grab two free chapters of my book, Truth Be Told, which is all about uh, apologetics and sharing your faith, etc. You can grab two free chapters by going to stevestram.com/slash/why/apologetics, and you can go ahead and get a, a free PDF of those two chapters. And I think that you will enjoy those. All right. Uh, God bless you. I love you. It's been great to talk to you again. It's been a little while since we've been um, here on the on the podcast, and I'm excited to say that we're going to have some some more coming to you in, um, in, in 2020. We're going to have some special uh, interviews. I've got one scheduled for a, a week or so from now, and uh, we're going to have some special episodes that are dedicated to uh, creation called Creation Conversations. It's going to be kind of a new edition of of the show that comes out every once in a while. We're going to try that a little bit in 2020 and see how that goes. So hope you'll look forward to that. And uh, it's just it's my honor and my my pleasure to bring this content to you on a somewhat regular basis. So um, thank you. I love you. We'll talk soon. Bye bye.